0: On the show today, I am joined by a beautiful dietitian, Melissa Groves-Azaro, and we're chatting about everything to do with women's hormones. I know, it's a topic that is quite confusing, and it's the root cause of many, many challenges that we face. So in this episode, we talk about everything that you need to know about your hormones, plus exactly what you can do today to take action on how to rebalance them. Critical, cool, right? You see, our guest, Melissa, is an integrative dietitian who helps busy women with hormone imbalances, PCOS, and fertility issues regain regular periods and get pregnant naturally. She definitely sounds like a woman you want on your team, right? She uses a functional medicine approach to figure out the root cause of your symptoms and helps you develop a personalized nutrition, supplement, and lifestyle plan to balance your hormones and optimize your fertility. So throughout this episode, I ask and question Melissa all about our hormones, the hormones that we have throughout our menstrual cycle. We talk about estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, insulin, food choices for healthy hormones, also what most commonly throws our hormones out of whack and imbalanced, where our hormones, you know, are throughout our monthly cycle and our menstrual cycle, along with. The important macronutrient, I'm not going to give it away, you'll have to listen to the episode, but the important macronutrient that we need to help us remove excess hormones and also foods for a healthy cycle. She gives us great, specific, ideal things we can do on a daily basis to integrate to have healthy hormone balance. So if you at all have a little inkling that your hormones might be in balance, and I'm not just talking about the sex hormones, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, I'm talking about other hormones that play key roles in your menstrual cycle, the ones that come from our thyroid and the glands in our brain, this is the episode you need to wrap your ears around. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, I know you're going to enjoy it because I did the interview. (laughs) Hate to be biased, but it's the truth. So I want you to sit back. I want you to enjoy this and take notes because Melissa covers lots of great information that is really going to support you. Before we jump into it, I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. Well Women Academy is a weekly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only, self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, video, audio, and guided home study. Led by myself and other pioneering guest teachers, together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and lots more. This is your chance to join an international supportive community of women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's like no other in the world. Not to mention, it's cheaper than your daily coffee fix. Learn more and join us at Wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash academy. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You are very welcome. Um, Thank you for joining us all the way from the East Coast of America. Um, Before we jump into it, share with our listeners what day of your cycle are you
1: on and what are you checking in with today? Yeah, this is a really, really difficult question to answer right now. I'm on day 38, which is completely unusual for me. I am um, super regular, 26, 27 days. I ovulate without fail on day 12 Um, and I'm kind of in that state where I'm like what is going on with my cycles since March you know is this perimenopause or is this the pandemic or what the heck is going on here because I've had like 30 something day cycles and I had a 15 day cycle and was like didn't we just do this? <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a little, little unusual for me. Um, I do track, I track temperature and I, I track, you know, as uh, signs and symptoms of ovulation and, and I did ovulate. So I don't know what's going on.
0: <laughs> this is such a beautiful example, um, about how stress and pandemics can literally impact your body and you are related to nature so before i ask you a question about that i would love you melissa to share to our listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do because then the question that i ask people will be like oh i really want to know her answer to this after they know what you do so um yeah tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are
1: so i'm a licensed registered dietitian in the states I use a functional and integrative approach to help women balance their hormones naturally using a food-first approach. Um, So the majority of clients that I work with have PCOS or are struggling with fertility, but I do work with other hormone-driven conditions such as endometriosis, PMS, PMDD, which were my own personal issues with hormones uh, throughout my life um, and I helped them get there through one-on-one programs, group coaching and my courses. Fantastic, thank you so much and I wanted you to share that you
0: were pretty much a functional dietitian because and that you help women with their hormones Cause the first thing that happens, and I feel like with all the women that I work with, as soon as their cycle is late or it's early, it's like, holy shit, what the F is going on? <laughs> and that, you know, inside the Well Women Academy, a lot of women have been experiencing longer cycles. And they're like, I'm on day 36, scratching my forehead over here thinking, um, hello, are you going to menstruate anytime soon? So I would love for you to share with everyone listening is as, as a functional dietitian who works with women and their hormones. What do you do knowing that your period is a little bit delayed? Like, how do you keep yourself sane knowing that it hasn't yet, like, you're, you haven't yet menstruated and it's out of the norm?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely yelling every time I go to the bathroom <laughs> and I'm like, come on. Um, I actually was feeling a little PMS y last week. Like, it was just gonna start and it just didn't. Um, so I just, you know, try to. The thing with anxiety and stress and things like that is it what helps it go away is by recognizing it. So I just kind of recognize it's like, oh, this is just my, my stress. This is just my anxiety right now. And I think it's really funny because a, a, lot of, a lot of the women that I work with will say things to me like, oh, I'm not stressed. I don't feel stressed. Um, and then we'll see their test results and it's like, well, your adrenals are telling us an entirely different story. Um, you know, I think there's, there's that emotional stress that we feel, but there's also just, you know, that, that constant feeling of, of unknowing right now that we're all living in. It's kind of impossible to plan for any length of time in the future. At this point because we're such in a limbo state with everything um so you know we know how stress impacts hormones it down regulates production of stress of sex hormones um it up regulates that cortisol and that dhea that are going to cause some symptoms for us so i'm just trying to trying to chill <laughs> trying to chill. I, I love that you mentioned that you're kind of screaming every time you go to the
0: bathroom it just goes to show that it's completely normal for your body to shift and change and if you're listening to this and you've been tracking your cycle I would suggest that after this episode or even while you're listening to it um, open up open out your trackers open up your app whatever it is and look at what your last six cycles have been the length of them and just look at the pattern. I think that alone is just like the best math homework or math, math mathematics exercise you could ever do. Um, but do that and just look at that. Um, but Mel, what if like three things that you do to support yourself knowing that your cycle is longer? I think that's a great question. And I want to really start to explore stress and hormones and PCOS with you.
1: Yeah, it's a little difficult right now here because it's, It's the heat of the summer. Um, One of my go-to stress management techniques is just getting outside for a walk. Um, You know, getting outside, breathing fresh air, being in nature um, is so healing to me and to my stress. And I feel, a little bit now, like I'm unable to do that because it's so, so hot. Um, I'm super excited that we just got um, an exercise bike delivered last week. So I've started to incorporate that so I can at least get a little movement in during the day. Mm Um, you know, I, I really focus when, when stress is high, I focus on counterbalancing it by, you know, nourishing myself really, really well. Um, with food, I like, when you say nourishing, yeah, with food. And you know, when when you're feeling PMSy and and tired and sad and confused and stressed, like you know, the the natural inclination is just to bury yourself in a bowl full of carbs, right? So, I've I've been and finding and normally this- not the,
0: no, normally not the beneficial carbs either. They're yeah. the carbs that are like covered in palm oil and it's like your four bag four bags of chips deep
1: (laughs) yeah give me all the french fries and you know my my family is italian so i always veer towards the pasta just give me a big bowl of pasta and bread Mm. and i would be happy um so i've been finding myself having to put on my big girl pants a few times in the last couple of weeks, and it's like, no, you don't need that. You're gonna make yourself a salad with some protein, maybe <laughs> have a little dark chocolate with it for the, you know, the carbs and the the satisfaction factor. Um, so I focus really hard on making sure I'm getting those nutrients in every day with, you know, lots and lots of fruits and veggies, and I also make sure that my sleep is on point. I'm very um, very strict about being in bed by 10, 10 p.m. at the latest um, and that seems to kind of help counterbalance some of the stress I feel like you know if you've got one area of your life that's kind of out of control you've got to kind of go a little overboard on the other areas where you can definitely you need to counterbalance all of that right
0: so thank you so much for sharing. If you're listening, I hope that that just reiterates to you, not just the fact that I also suggest all those things, like just getting outside in nature is one of the most calming mechanisms possible because nothing in nature rushes, but everything still gets done. And I always remember that when I have like, I've got so much to do. I'm like, ah, how do I get through it all? Um, so thanks for sharing that Mel. So let's fl- like switch gears and let's talk about hormone balance. Um, I think- to kick it off to give a bit of a, a foundation of hormones i think it'd be great if you could just run through what are the core hormones um, for women in women's health and the endocrine system and then let's talk about the changing factors of health for women in their hormones and then we'll go talk about the imbalances of hormones and then how that then contributes to things like PCOS, for example how does that so, flow chart sound? <laughs> I, may, I may have let's to Let's go to the, like, no, that's all right. That's why I'm here. So let's go to the first one. Okay.
1: Cue me. Okay. Uh,
0: like what are the core hormones that women have? And I know these answers, but let's, edu- let's educate everybody. What are the core hormones that women have in their cycle? Um, and that they need to be aware of.
1: Yeah. The two biggies are estrogen and progesterone. And in an ideal cycle, Estrogen is the dominant hormone during the first half of your cycle before you ovulate. And then once you ovulate, progesterone takes over as the um, primary hormone for the second half of the cycle, ideally.
0: Amazing. And I like to, to sum that up, like for people who kind of forget, I like to just go, all right, estrogen is like a fat storage hormone and progesterone is kind of like a fat burning hormone. If you have one or the other, you're either going to be, I don't want to say it like this, but I don't know how else to say it, but you're either going to be too fat or too skinny. So, mm-hmm. which is imbalanced in both ways, you know, even though women might crave to be thinner in their, in their, in their posture or not their posture, but their body size and shape, that's also not healthy. So are there, um, I know that when those two core hormones are out, are there any other hormones that women need to be aware of or have a clue on? Because I know that when women go and get their bloods done and they, they look at the piece of paper, they're like, what is this? So is there anything else or are they the core ones just to just to focus on those first?
1: Yeah, so those are the two core menstrual cycle ones. They're regulated by LH, which is luteinizing hormone, and FSH, which is follicle stimulates a uh, follicle-stimulating hormone, and what those do is, is sort of lead to ovulation. Um, they respond to the estrogen peaking, and then they trigger the m- um, maturing and releasing of the egg. Um, and then the, the egg shell, the corpus luteum, is actually what makes the progesterone. So those are typical ones to look at on labs. Um, Women will will often have um, AMH looked at as well, which is anti-mullerian hormone. Um, That can be an indication of how many follicles you have left. Um, It's not a really good predictor of whether you'll get pregnant or not. I mean, obviously, my AMH is in the gutter because I'm, you know, 44. (laughs) Um, It's actually... keep keep going
0: I am yeah keep going
1: yeah so so AMH you know it just of course I don't have a lot of eggs left I'm 44 Um, if your AMH is too high sometimes that can indicate that you have PCOS because you know it's it's reading all of those built-up follicles that you have in your ovaries you know, other hormones that come into play, things like insulin, which, you know, isn't a sex hormone, but it can directly impact things like testosterone levels. Um, Thyroid hormones are really important. I mean, they basically run the show in your body. They're, you know, in charge of your metabolism and everything. And if your thyroid's low, then you're sex hormone production is going to be low um, and then we cannot forget the adrenal hormones which I think everyone's got raging right now the two primary ones as they relate to women's health and hormones are cortisol and DHEA I
0: feel like people are listening to this and they're the,
1: the emoji with half the head blown off and it's got
0: like a snow yeah. cloud above and they're like what all of these things I have to think about um i love that you mentioned about the amh it's something um, with my recent and if you haven't listened to my story about pcos um i was diagnosed in 2014 and then only last year i kind of revisited to get all my tests done to see where i was at and i had the amh as one of those things knowing um i'm nearly 34 and knowing that if i would like like i I would love to be a mother in the future and I wanted to just get an idea. And so that's something that, you know, you might be asked to do. Um, But I love that you mentioned about the thyroid because so many people forget when they're focusing on their menstrual cycle health, they just look below below the belt. They don't look at anything above the belt. And it's funny because the above the belt stuff is like adrenals, pancreas, like insulin, thyroid, your glands in your brain, So, I love that you mentioned that, um, Mel. With looking at these hormones, when it comes to imbalances in hormones, what are like the most common imbalances you see in practice that women have in their health?
1: Yeah, for sure PCOS. I work mostly with PCOS. you know, you're going to see those high androgens when I'm working with someone with PCOS. I'm trying to determine how much of their androgens are coming from their ovaries in the form of testosterone versus how much are coming from their adrenals in the form of DHEA. And for people who are like, what is an antigen? Yes, androgens are male hormones, the, you know, stereotypical male hormones. But in PCOS, those are the ones that are causing those symptoms like um, acne and hirsutism, which is, um, you know, excess growth of hair on the face or body. Um, and that male pattern hair loss, the losing your hair, you know, on the, the top of your scalp or your temples. Um, so those, those are really, you know, when we're trying to determine which place the androgens are coming from it tells us whether we have to take more of a dietary insulin lowering um approach or an overall stress management lifestyle approach
0: and out of those two what what is the most common
1: i i would say it breaks down into like equal thirds From what I see about one third, it's primarily from the ovaries in the form of testosterone. One third, it's primarily adrenals. I see the adrenals being the main cause a lot in women with lean PCOS. Oftentimes their testosterone will be normal, but their DHEA will be sky high. Um, And then the, the other third is lucky enough to have both
0: lucky you, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny when it just goes to show that there is no one way to have an imbalance in your hormones and i think that a lot of women when they feel that their hormones are imbalanced because they'll be like oh my god i'm so moody my hormones are all out of whack or my skin is breaking out like what the F is going on with my hormones they immediately just assume that it's one particular type of imbalance in their hormones, rather than understanding that there are many different possible imbalances.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, going back to the, the most common imbalances that I see, I would say, you know, after PCOS, because that's really the majority of my practice, um, estrogen dominance is rampant. Um, mm. And you can be estrogen dominant in different ways too. You could be estrogen dominant because your estrogen is outright high. Um, You could be estrogen dominant because your estrogen is high in comparison to low progesterone, or you could be estrogen dominant because your estrogen, the way you're metabolizing it, which is, you know, getting rid of it, detoxing it and getting rid of it, it's going down a pathway that's not helpful for sure. And
0: that also just comes back to the health of other organs in the body too.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots, of li- lots of liver, lots of gut. Um, you know, you kind of have to figure out where the estrogen dominance is coming from. I'm an interesting case with that because, you know, I think I mentioned, I, I struggled with um, PMDB for years mm. and, you know, and couldn't future, I know, what that is it's like PMS on crack. (laughs) (laughs) I love that analogy. um, It's to the point where the PMS um, really impacts your, your life. I mean, for me, it was a matter of not being able to get off the couch for two weeks out of every month and not talk to people or interact during those two weeks out of every month. And um, it was just really, you know, every month it was like, I felt like I was just on this roller coaster and I would have to plan things around where I would be in my cycle um so you know with where was I going with that PMDD talking about your case of. oh my case so so my case is interesting because you know when I did that deeper digging because my gut's great you know I did a lot of gut health work a few years back my gut is you know wonderful. Um, So it's not coming from a gut problem. Um, I'm not obviously not obese. So it's not coming from stored fat. Um, In my case, it was genetic. You know, I, I really have all those gene snips that just block methylation. So for me, I have to support methylation in order to get rid of my estrogens. For someone else, it may be more they have to support their general liver health, or they have to support um, digestion and their gut health.
0: And I think those two things on a
1: daily basis
0: are a great focus to support. Like it comes down to, you know, if you're really concerned about your hormones and you're not yet at a position where you're ready to seek support and um, like see someone that you feel like, Oh, I'm just going to try a few things myself. Cause let's face it, everybody does that mm-hmm. <laughs> is if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I just want to try a few things. I would suggest doing that That alone is focusing on good digestion and then focusing on liver health. And I always find it so fundamental and funny that ancestrally, Indian medicine, so Ayurveda, looks at digestion. That's the core place that they go. Traditional Chinese medicine looks at liver health. That's okay. the core place they go. But then in the modern world, most people don't even go to those two points and focus on that. They'll just look at the surface. And it just goes to show that the main parts of your health we've been trying to focus on for centuries. And I think if we just go back to doing that on a daily basis, that can be really, really helpful.
1: I think there are a lot of people living with gut symptoms that think that's just normal because that's normal for them. You know, I talk to Mm -hmm. women all the time where it's like, oh, are you having regular bowel movements? Like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty regular. I have one every two or three days. And there's that mind-blown emoji. I'm like, (laughs) oh. let's. That's that's the emoji that's got the red face, (laughs) like the fuck word over the eyes. We're like, what? (laughs) What? What are you talking about? So it's like, well, let's start there. (laughs) You know?
0: Yep. It goes back to, and they're all things that ideally you'd want to be tracking on your menstrual cycle tracker so that you can really understand the patterns of your body and the patterns of your health. So I look like I'm really enjoying this conversation. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my brand new five-day Love Your Cycle mini course, a simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had have taught you at school about your cycle. How to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 300 women from around the world who have already taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. And to thank you for being an amazing listener of this podcast, I want to offer you a 20% off voucher code. Use the code cycle love at checkout to save. Um, so what would you, when it comes to, let's, okay, let's talk about the leading contributors to hormone balance. If we have estrogen dominance, and I feel a lot of women have a challenge with the production of progesterone or the balance of progesterone. And if they're the two core hormones, which you mentioned at the start, and then we need to look at the liver, certainly the liver, the thyroid, what are the, the, I guess the biggest contributors in a woman's day-to-day life that's going to lead them to estrogen dominance. And so another way you could say that is what if like some things women can focus on in like shifting or changing or improving so they don't have estrogen dominance. Same question just worded differently.
1: Yeah, I know. And I wish I had like a silver bullet answer for you or a sexy supplement to tell everyone to take and it would just fix it. Um, I think the majority of the estrogen dominance problems right now are coming from our exposure to environmental hormone disruptors. Yes. I love that. I think it's, it's responsible for a lot of, you know, the increase in fertility rates, the increase in symptoms, um, you know, and the estrogen mimicking hormones or chemicals that are, are occurring in plastics and pesticides and our beauty products and our cleaning products and our water. And they're just like everywhere. Um, I actually did a little series on Instagram a couple weeks ago I did, um, two whole weeks of, of posts about endocrine disruptors. And seriously, it was like I was the first person who had ever told people about this. It was like, how are we not talking about this more? Um, Don't you, you know, feel that sometimes you're like, are you guys all living under rocks? Like, I've known about this for years. Yeah, yeah. So I really think that that is contributing to the estrogen excess along with, um, you know, Problems with digestion, constipation is way more common than I think we think it is. Um, and I'm not talking like the clinical definition of constipation, which is going every three days is totally fine. I'm talking like you need to be going once a day, like you know, bare minimum. Like yeah, bare minimum.
0: As as much bare ideally as much as you eat. Like if you if you're eating five little meals a day, maybe you're doing five little droplets a day.
1: Yeah, it's like you think about like a baby who poops every time it eats, or you know, we have cats. Every time the cat eats, it goes to (laughs) the litter box afterwards. It's like that's just the way we're supposed to work. And you know what's interesting is I always
0: use the analogy with parents and children is that if your baby's not pooing, you're worried. You are immediately worried. Maybe I'll change that word from worry to concerns to to lower Mm -hmm. the stress levels, but you're immediately concerned. But hang on, something's not right here. Like I am not changing diapers. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? But then as we like become adults, we we kind of just switch off to the fact that, oh, I should probably have done a shit today. <laughs> that's odd. Maybe I should look into that. Oh no, but work's too stressful. I've just got to keep going on with this, this, and this. And if you don't take your rubbish out, you're gonna have a very stinky house.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well the estrogen that's sitting there it actually allows it to recirculate in a more toxic form if it's, if it's sitting there and not being taken out with the trash. I
0: love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And it just goes to show that how you spend your time in nature. So not just the nature of I'm looking outside, but not just like in the trees and in, in the bush or in the forest or on the beach, or a park, but more so the nature of your house, like where you sleep, how you sleep, your kitchen, what you clean your house in. And there's a really great book called the healthy home. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an older book now, but it was a bestseller. in um, what's it called the New York times bestseller,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the healthy home. And it's written by Dr. Myron Wentz and he, and I've got it and I've read it and it's, it's a great overview about how your home for you to be a healthy person and have a healthy body. You need to live in a healthy home. And they're the things you can control. You can control what you buy to clean your house with. You can control what goes in your mouth. You can control what time you go to sleep, Um, even though some people think they can't control those things, but you can. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. All right, let's talk about food approach for hormones because I think
1: a lot of people... We Good forgot going. about the progesterone production part. Oh, of it. yes. I wanted to make sure we got that. I'm glad you're taking notes. I okay, took great. a note. <laughs> so, yeah, okay.
0: Um, Share on that, so progesterone production.
1: My number one thought for what is affecting progesterone production is stress. Stress. You think about like what progesterone actually is. If you break the word down, it's progestation. So when our bodies are are sensing and perceiving stress from the outside world, it's not the best time, evolutionarily speaking, to reproduce. And so your body downregulates production of progesterone in response to stress. So I think that's a big one. Um, you know, the other things I think when progesterone is low is is egg quality, and then we're talking about you know, mitochondria, you know, what do mm-hmm. your mitochondria look like? Those little powerhouses of your cell. Um, there are hundreds super- of trillions of them that are inside your body. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, you know, an extraordinarily high number of mitochondria in the ovaries. Um, and and so we need them to make eggs. So we have to protect them from damage, from oxidants and oxidative stress. and led them with antioxidants from colorful fruits and vegetables, but really downregulating stress. I know it's it's terrible, all the fertility jokes about, oh, just relax and it will get happen. but it will happen for you. But um, there's a component to that. Like you cannot make good progesterone if your cortisol is through the roof.
0: Yeah, you're spot on and not just then like comes back well if that's the effect of high cortisol like what contributes to high cortisol stress mm-hmm. and i guess that also comes down to i guess we'll talk about food and mm-hmm. insulin mm-hmm. because i feel like cortisol and insulin are kind of even though they don't directly affect your sex hormones in your you know in your cycle that they largely like they contribute to it it's like a, it's like a ricochet effect
1: yeah, the insulin actually does directly impact testosterone production mm-hmm. um, in women with PCOS. Your ovaries are super um, sensitive to um, that insulin resistance, and they make more, more testosterone as a result. Um, but in general, being on that blood sugar roller coaster is not good for anybody you know, with or without PCOS. Um, it's a type of stress. your body and your body responds accordingly. So um, it's really important to eat meals that are blood sugar balancing. And what I mean by that is incorporating enough protein, enough fat, enough fiber to balance and slow down those carbs.
0: Yes to fiber for those who are not pooing.
1: Especially, yes, <laughs> absolutely. But for all of us, and honestly, I don't know what the recommendations are in Australia, but I think they're a little too too low here. Um, you know, it's the fiber. It's around, yeah, I think it ends up being around twenty eight grams a day for women. I think that's a minimum. You know, I I really try to have people shoot more for like more for thirty five. A lot of people, I feel like. In down under, down under in
0: Australia, I really feel that uh, macronutrients, and I have a whole class on this inside the World Women Academy, because, you know, having worked in food manufacturing as a food science formulator for seven years, a lot of people don't, aren't aware that when they go and they read the label, and I used to make the labels (laughs) and the nutritional panels, they just look for calories, protein, carbs, fat that's like, that's the go-to. And I feel that there's not enough education in where I'm based from in Australia about what I call the five macronutrients, proteins, carbs, fats, fiber, and water. Like I'm just, I just threw those other two in there, but that people just aren't aware of fiber. And I, I, I feel Australian or the diets, um, like as given by the government in inverted brackets is very similar to America in some ways. And we could all do with a little bit more fiber and knowing what type of fiber too, whether it's insoluble or soluble and fiber that speeds things up versus the the stuff that blocks you up. (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. But fiber is the key to, you know, getting rid of those Hormones. Once we're we're done using them, um, and it it really ensures that we're eating the right type of you know slow carbohydrates that take longer, and they also feed those healthy gut bugs that we need to keep our guts running. Um, you know, ultimately, what results in a healthy microbiome is the variety of fibers that you're eating from plant foods. And that's the best
0: source of them all, right? Plant foods. Mm
1: -hmm. And I feel
0: that if, if you're listening to this and you're like, but what food should I be eating? One of the best like switches is just go to more plant-based food. And when I say plant-based, I don't mean no animal. I'm just being food Mm -hmm. that comes from nature. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like that's hands down the best. So um, Mel, I know like we've been chatting, we, we could just keep chatting. Cause this is such I a know. great conversation. Um, but tell us what a couple of final questions. Tell us what foods do you feel are like non-negotiable foods for women to include, um, in their menstrual cycle or for their menstrual cycle health?
1: Okay. Yeah. Like, Where do I start? <laughs> Black seed is my number one go to, um, because, it's pretty much magical for all women. Um, If you have too much estrogen, it can help swoop it out um, with that fiber. It's got the healthy omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory. If you have too little estrogen, it actually binds to those estrogen receptors and may improve symptoms as well. So I really love flax for all women. I would say... How do you eat your flax when you recommend, like... Um, I'm a, I'm a big smoothie person, probably not every morning, but most mornings I'll have smoothies. Otherwise, um, I actually, in my recipe book, I have a flax muffin re- recipe mm. that I make. Yeah, they're really good. So there's no flour, it's just flax. And you use flax,
0: like, so obviously flax meal, which is gr- for yeah. people, um, it's ground down flax seeds. And if you... Depending on where you live in the world, sometimes flax seeds are referred to as lin seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, same same seed, just different name. <laughs> tomato, tomato, same thing, same same.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I definitely prioritize uh, speed and time <laughs> for that it takes me to eat healthy things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I buy mine ground and I store them in the fridge. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's what works. Other people are like hand grinding them every morning. More power to you. If that's you, that is not me. Um, and then I would say, you know, cruciferous vegetables um, that's your broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. Broccoli sprouts are one of my favorites. Um, those are going to. Do you help sprout you them yourself them. or do you buy, you buy them sprouted? So funny story, I actually thought that would be a really good little quarantine project while we were stuck at home and I bought bought a sprouter, I bought the seeds, I did one batch and they came out beautifully Um, and then I think I got cocky Um, and the (laughs) second batch smelled really bad and got really slimy. And the husband put the kibosh on the whole operation. So I am no longer sprouting my own.
0: (laughs) Like three's
1: threes a charm though, right? Maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking maybe if I put them outside on the porch, but then the likelihood of me remembering to water them twice a day. I like to put my sprouts on the windowsill.
0: So they get some sunshine and that kind of helps evaporate but obviously for you right now it's like the middle of summer and so that heat temperature and the humidity can make them so you have to i find because i we have the same temperature where i live um in summer i find that it's very much i have to just keep rinsing them now i'm not a sprout Mm -hmm. expert i don't own a sprouting company but i'm glad that you've experimented and maybe we will give third time a charm when summer calms down
1: yes i i do hope to get back into that um and then berries, citrus fruit, those are all really great for, for detoxing hormones. Artichokes are, are a, a super sneaky source of fiber and they help the liver. So that's another one of my my sort of power foods for hormone balance. Amazing. That
0: is just, they're so, it's so simple. Everyone can have some flaxseed. Everyone can eat more crucifix vegetables. Everyone can have more berries and citrus and artichokes are just an easy, I find they're delicious in salads actually throwing them Mm -hmm. in there. And Mm -hmm. it's just, sorry, you go.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say I buy them um, frozen um, and they're really good. Trader Joe's here. I know you guys don't have that. It's such a great store. They have frozen artichoke hearts and they're just so good. Like they actually taste like the fresh ones.
0: Mm, i'm gonna have to look into that here Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um but mel this has been fantastic thank you so much for sharing so much information about hormones and the balances and i guess what contributes to an imbalance and creating balance and then obviously food that supports because i know that you're all about functional food without restrictions because i feel like that restriction restricting just creates more stress right which then does what? throws your hormones out so if you're, if there was a woman listening to this, this is second final question. If there's a woman listening to this and she's like, all right, I, I really want to work on bringing my hormones back into balance. She doesn't yet know what her hormone imbalance is, but she's got signs where she can tell because she's listening to her body and tracking her cycle. She knows there's something going on and she wants to bring it back to balance. What are three guiding tips that you would give to, a woman to support herself in coming back to balance?
1: Yeah, number one, do not take supplements willy nilly. Um, Do not take, especially those ones that are called like a hormone balancing supplement. My response to that is always, well, which one? Like which hormone? Um, There's no one combo product that works for all women. Um, so, do not do that. I've seen much more harm than good done when women are taking the wrong supplement, like DIM. If, if DIM is not appropriate for you, DIM is wonderful in the right hands. Um, if if DIM is not appropriate for you, it can actually cause worse problems. Um, and there are several of any, any of those supplements that actually do affect hormones. Um, I think they really should be done under the guidance of a practitioner. So step number one, do not take a supplement without consulting someone.
0: And I think that just goes to show that, you know, it is great to take vitamin C for general health. It's great to take a fish oil for general health. It's great to take, you know, vitamin D even is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking, if you're experiencing something and you're looking for support, like reach out for it, it's, um, I recently just on my Instagram TV did a video about finding nutritional products and what to look for in terms of quality. So you're not just willy nilly buying cause there's nothing worse. And I've like having been to the States so many times when you stand in the store aisle and it's much bigger than Australia and you literally hands on your hips and your mouth and your jaws open, you're like, um, I'm just looking for a really good probiotic. <laughs> there's just so much right. to choose from. So I created that little Instagram TV to help guide people in understanding that the product quality differences after working in manufacturing. So go and um, check that out if
1: you want more, but reach out for support. So number one, that's. Number one, don't, don't jump to conclusions. Yeah. Um, Number two, I would say if it's at all possible for you, get the answers to what hormone is imbalanced for you and where it is coming from Um, because, you know, the treatment approach it's different. You know, like I mentioned with my estrogen issues, um, what I actually need is methylation support. You know, I really need to up vitamin B12 and glycine, you know, to help that methylation crank. Um, it's totally different for, for other women. Um, but if I hadn't tested myself, I wouldn't have known that that was my issue. Um, so that's, you know, or gotten myself tested. So if you, if you are questioning it, you know, again, reach out to a practitioner who can do those tests for you and get those answers for you. I
0: love, that's a great, a great tip. I always say to, 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 and if you haven't picked this up yet, but every three to six months, I go and get my bloods done just to find out where my body's at and where my hormone levels are at. And it's such an easy thing to do. And that is healthcare. Mm-hmm. not paying for health insurance or paying for your health care, but health care is take, being proactive on your health. So, Oh my God, I love that tip. All right. Number three.
1: Um, three, I would say kind of on the same theme of what we were talking about before really start with those basics, start with the gut, um, support your liver, um, eat a variety of plant foods. The more colorful, the better. Uh, Sit down and chew those foods well. Take a couple deep breaths before you begin Mindfully to eat. Ate. So, yeah. So that, you know, all the time I'm hearing people say, oh, I need to cut grains out because I, you know, I just see them come out in my stool in the same shape they went in it. And I'm like, how about we try chewing first? <laughs> like
0: it's called mastication for a reason.
1: <laughs> you know, our stomachs and our intestines do a lot, but they don't have teeth, you know? Oh, I love that. Like, yeah. They don't have teeth. No, there is no second set of teeth. No. So, so yeah, really mindfully, you know, incorporate those, those foods that we all know are good for us. We know how they make us feel after we eat them. Um, you know, it just, it it gives us so much more energy and vibrancy to be eating a lot of different plant foods. I could not agree more. If you
0: want to feel colourful, eat colours that are (laughs) colourful with natural colorings (laughs) from foods. Absolutely. And um, just on that point about mindful eating, there's a whole class in the Well Women Academy, as soon as anyone joins, they have access to it with practical exercises on how to be a mindful eater. And there is nothing like more sensual than actually sitting down and just enjoying a strawberry and being like, oh, I've never tasted a strawberry like this before. It's like, mm, so good. So they're beautiful tips. So just to recap one, don't just willy nilly use nutritional products, reach out and get support if you need. Um, don't dive, dive straight in. I think that's a great one. Second one is get the answers. You know if you need get a treatment approach find out where you what where you're at and what you're working with and number three is do the practical things on a daily basis support with your gut health your liver health eat close to nature and chew your food <laughs> Mel, thank you so much for joining us um final question this is re- this is a bit off topic um, from what we've been chatting about but it's the podcast question of all podcast questions is think back to when you first started menstruating and what are three guiding tips that you would give to your younger menstruating self that you now know that you didn't know then
1: oh i would say it's not supposed to hurt this much i would say you don't need to spend 20 plus years on the pill um and i would say It's not all in your head. It's actually a hormone imbalance causing these cyclical mood symptoms.
0: That's just so straight to the point. I love it. Thank you so much. Now for everyone listening, who's like, how can I find out what Mel does and what she offers for PCOS support and learning more about what we've been discussing today? How, like, what's the best way for them to find and connect with you?
1: Yeah, the best way is on Instagram. Um, It's the.hormone.dietitian. I'm posting content there pretty much daily. Um, My website is the same. It's thehormonedietitian.com. I have a new book coming out in August. I'm not sure if this is going to be released before or after, August 25th. Um, it's called a balanced approach to PCOS and it includes a lot of those hormone balancing power foods that I I mentioned before
0: amazing please let me know when that comes out I would love to see it and share it with everybody as well um, in conjunction with this podcast and link it into the show notes so Please give me an update about that, but that's amazing. Thank you so much. And that's for people listening who don't know, um, Mel and I actually connected connected on Instagram. That's how we found each other. So definitely go out over and check her out
1: over there, and um, and say hi and say thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Mm,
0: I've loved it. So I just want to say, stay safe and supported over in america um, with all that's happening in the world right now and thanks so much for taking the time out today thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the well women podcast i trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did if you got a lot out of it too please subscribe and leave a five-star review on itunes or your podcast app this means together we can inspire connect and educate even more women now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag WellWomen Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.